0: Ephesians chapter 5 and we will read verse 16 to 14 and then we have other verses to refer to. Let's read. Let no one participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness but instead even expose them which are done by them in secret that all things become visible when they are exposed by the light for everything that comes visible is light for this reason awake Hold you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this morning. We are humbled, Lord. We are so grateful for our lives. We're so grateful for this country, that there's freedom to worship you. When in fact, in other places, Lord, they have to hide to worship in secret because they don't have that freedom. And here in this country, we have such freedom and we are just so grateful. And Father, we pray that we will just appreciate this and make full use of it. And as we come here, we offer you our best. We come here not, not to get, but to give to give of ourselves, O God, in exchange for what you have done for us, for what you will do in and through us. Father, we, we just lift up to you this country. This is now our home. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to move mightily in this country so that this country will, will draw close to you Again, once upon a time it has been so close to you but Lord the times are evil the things are changing and this country appears to be moving away from you Lord forgive this land we ask you we your children ask you Lord to bless this land as we live in this land Lord help us help us Lord through our own existence and our own lives, to make an impact in this country. We pray for the president and the leaders of this country, O Lord. Continue to reveal yourself to them and make them decide, inspired by your word. And through their leadership, Lord, we will be blessed. So we commit this time to you. Speak to us and don't allow us to leave this, un- this place unchanged. Change us through the power of your spirit. in Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, we're here to keep on sharing with you that the Christian life, the Christian life is worth it. We're here to share with you. And appeal to you ever so constantly and repeatedly that the Christian life is worth it. That's why we're continuing on this series of being, growing, and enjoying your Christ-likeness. You know, many Christians live the Christian life not knowing there's so much to enjoy about the Christian life. The reason why they're not enjoying the Christian life is because nobody, sh- nobody showed them. Nobody, nobody teaches them how to live it in such a way that the Christian life will indeed open up and become an enjoyable life. And, and it is my passion, um, I guess, this, this past few months I've been consumed by this desire to be able to show people that Being a Christian or being Christ-like is enjoyable. It's worth it. And when we are enjoying something, we'd like to do it over and over again. Right, Patrick? You know, if you enjoy something, you keep doing it over and over again. People who play golf, they just keep playing golf because they enjoy it. Okay, And and ladies, should keep shopping because you enjoy shopping, right? And the Christian life should be no different. The christian life should not be any different that's why we're saying you know uh the christian life is actually inspired by philippians 2 3 to 8 and it's all about what selfless humility to the point of death i've been i've been sharing this for the past four months with a lot of couples and i've been asking couples to memorize philippians 2 3 to 8. sometimes okay because i keep repeating that you have to really memorize Philippians 2 verse 3 to 8 because that is the essence of Christ's likeness. Because when you discover what Christ's likeness is, which is selfless humility to the point of death, I submit to you that you will live a life full of Christ. And a life full of Christ is a life of conquering sin, a life of hope, not despair, a life of rejoicing, as Pastor Song shared with us last week. Today, I'll talk about inspiration, not discouragement. Next week, we will talk about success, not wasted life, and so on and so forth. And you can actually come up with your own acrostic of the word Christ. Because these are not the limitation, or this is not the list of what it means to be Christ-like. There are more. Actually, you can enjoy so much about Christ-likeness that you will never end up describing how beautiful this life is right last week pastor and song talked about the joy robbers right if you're christ-like believe me you will always be rejoicing i hope you got that message and the reason why you're not rejoicing always as the lord commands is because of what there are joy robbers and these joy robbers we know we keep going through it and he mentioned three things at the very least One is sin, the other one is sour relationships and selfishness. You know, when you have all of these things pulling you down, you will never be joyful in your life. And my wife came up with a very wonderful definition of the word joy. You know, I asked her, how did you come up with it? No, I just read it, she said, okay? And, you know, she came up with this description, joy or rejoicing it's not dependent on happening or circumstances because happiness depends on happenings. But, you know, rejoicing or joy, she said, that it's a feeling of knowing that you are right with God. That, that your relationship with God is just whew, great. And because your relationship is great, nothing will stop you because God is the most important thing. If you are right with God, you will be joyful. What will not make you right with God? Sin, of course, will not make you right with God. Sour relationships. When you're fighting with your spouse, fighting with everyone, you have a problem with the office, you have a neighbor that keeps, you know, bugging you and makes life more difficult for you, or worse, you're, you're so selfish, you want everything for yourself, and if you don't get it, you grumble and you complain. I submit to you that if you're like that, you will never be joyful. And you know what's the antidote for all of this sin? Christ-likeness. If you are selfless and you are humble, then believe me, all of this will disappear and you will be joyful. Today I'm going to talk about being an inspiration, not discouragement. But before I do that, I, I would like to dwell and make you understand because this is such a, a basic principle, a, a, a basic, I guess, um, input or truth that I, I really want you to learn it. I don't want to move forward until you get this because if you don't get it, you will never appreciate how enjoyable Christ-likeness is. So my question is, how can selfless humility to the point of death? bring about enjoyable Christ-likeness. Do you really believe that being humble and being selfless will make you Christ-like and therefore will make you happy? You know, you may say yes, you know, tacitly in your heart and in your brain, but do you really understand the principle behind it? Because the moment you understand the principle behind it, believe me, like me, I said, wow, that's it. Now I understand it. So let me, let me share with you and dwell for a moment how selfless humility to the point of death can bring about happiness in Christ. Here's the principle. Selfless humility cleanses off selfish, selfishness and pride because it's the opposite, right? Again, selfless humility will clean off your selfishness and your pride. Basic. And you know what? Selfishness and pride is the root of sin. You get me? Every sin that you know. Okay. Butch, what's your favorite sin? (laughs) Cannot even answer, see? Addiction, for example. What's addiction? It's a form of what? Selfishness, right? I deserve this. I like this. I need this. And then, you sin. Because it's an addiction. So, if you remove selfishness and pride through the opposite, which what you call selfless humility, then you take away sin, right? Very simple. Just like the blood of Christ, just like the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Sin is ugly. Sin is dark. Sin is... Ugh. Okay, And you know what the blood of Christ will do? The blood of Christ will cleanse and erase that to make it immaculate white. 1 John says, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, here is the process. Bear with me. As you grow in selfless humility, meaning Christ-likeness, what happens? You will be less and less selfish and proud. Say amen if you understand that. Amen. Okay, right? Very basic, right? So, next. This will lead to what? You will sin less and less and less. You understand that? Can you imagine if the person next to you is sinning less and less and less? Hmm. Wouldn't you like that? Yeah. Right? Person look to your left and to your right. And then, the same person will say, this person will sin less and less and less. I like that. Now, when you're sinning less and less and less, what happens, Ulrich? You will end up obeying God more and more. Tell me you understand that. Or you're still confused. Clear? Say, say amen, if it's clear. Right. So, if you end up obeying God more and more, since to obey is not to sin, what happens? You prove that you love God, right? Because God, the Bible says, if you love me, you will obey me. So where did it all start? It all started by simply being selfless and humble. When you are selfless and humble, you sin less and less. If you sin less and less, you obey more and more. And if you obey more and more, what happens? You prove that you love God. And you know what? Romans 28 will kick in and you can claim it. What's Romans 8.28? For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And you know, when things work together for good, they work together for good. Right? Your shots don't go out of the fairway. They're always in the direction of the whole. Okay? And if you are, whatever, uh, working, you, 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 you seem to be seeing the opposition and all of the obstacles going out of your way and just working in your favor because all things work together for good. Who's causing that to happen? God. Why? Because you love God. Why? Because you're sinning, and sinning less. Why? Because you're obeying and obeying more. Why? Because you're selfless and humble. It's as simple as that. When you are selfless and humble, trust me, you will enjoy your Christ-likeness. I'd like you to discuss this for three minutes. the person next to you three by three and tell me if you understand what this thing is all about please go ahead okay tell me if you understand this thing will you really enjoy Christ likeness I'm not gonna proceed until you discuss it okay come on very good Sean you have to discuss that with those two okay three Until you understand it. Nagchichismisan lang yan ako kayo eh. Do you agree? You know? You know? Okay, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy you're talking. Okay. You know? My my conviction. My conviction as we go through this thing over and over again is this. You will understand that Christianity is so simple. Do not complicate Christianity. Christianity is not a set of do's and don'ts that if you don't do it, you're punished for it. No. Christianity is being. Being in Christ. Being like Christ. And when you are like Christ and you progress through Christ because of discipleship, then all things will work together for good. And you will love your situation so much you will love your situation so much people will look at you and say, hey, what do you have? I want what you have. It's so simple, guys. And all it takes is to be Christ-like. Simple to be Christ-like. A lot of people say, Pastor, ang hirap niya, na." Okay, It's impossible many times. I tell you, it's not hard. It's impossible to give up your rights to be selfless and to be humble. But you know what? That is the key. When you turn that key, trust me, all things will work together for good and you will love God like you've never loved Him before. It's that simple. Christ-likeness. This morning, I'm going to talk about the I in Christ. And as I go through the I in Christ, a life full of Christ, I want you to understand the principle that I just shared with you and that you discussed. And how, and how, okay, selfless humility will kick in again in this principle of I in the Christ. Which is what? I, inspiring the lost. Inspiring the lost to see the light and the way out of darkness. If you're Christ-like, you'll be able to inspire others. If you're Christ-like, you'll be able to inspire others. What do you mean inspire? Joy. Does RD inspire you still? All the time, right? You know, have you ever, when you were growing up, have you ever been inspired by someone? okay. <laughs> you know, really, ah. Uh, when I was in high school, when I was in high school in the province, in Mindanao, okay, uh, I ended up in Mindanao when I was in high school. And, you know, there was, in, in that city where, where we were studying, um, there, was, there was a national union of students in the Philippines Convention. It's what you call the NUSP. Those of you who are as old as I am, George. Uh, Pastor Song, you know NUSP, right? Okay. You know, I was there was a convention and the president of the National Union of Students in the Philippines, his name was Edgar Hobson, okay? Was there. Okay? I you know, okay? He was there. And there was a convention and they were in the house of my friend. They were they were they were in a huddle in a table and they were discussing. And we were just like young then, but he was already a figure. He was a leader of the National Students, Union of Students of the Philippines. And while they were discussing, we were in the background. I was in the garden, really just watching them. And boy, did they inspire me. Okay? They were, they were seated right there around the table, and they were talking about big things that I could not even understand because their English was so deep. Okay? They were talking about they were talking about the drift of this nation. They were talking about what kind of platform. I couldn't even understand what they were talking about, but I was so enamored with what they were talking about. They inspired me because these are young people, so young that they have big plans for the country. As a matter of fact, they want to overthrow the government. Okay? <laughs> because they are what? They were the, the roots of the communist movement. Okay? And, but that was not my point. They inspired me. And you know what I did when I got home? Sabi ko, hindi ko yung nila, English. And you know what I did? I was so inspired to learn English so well that I memorized the dictionary. Seriously, I started memorizing the dictionary. That's why my diction and my vocabulary today is what it is. Okay ba? Because guys, I was inspired. When you are inspired, you're moved to a higher level of performance by someone. So, here I am asking you that if you're Christ-like, you will become an inspiration to others. An inspiration for the lost so that they will find the light and the way out of their own darkness. Guys, I wish I wish I could have seen Edgar Hobson and met him face to face and congratulated him today and say, hey, you inspired me. But that never happened because that guy was shot when he was 34 years old. Okay? But he was an inspiration to me. But just the same, he impacted me in the sense of being, becoming a better communicator. I mean, guys... Being an inspiration is something that will make you enjoy your being Christ-like. And I want you to take a look at that. But you're not going to be an inspiration unless you yourself will grow in Christ-likeness. You have to grow in Christ-likeness. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. That's dark. People today are in the dark. How many of you have found yourself lost in the dark and could not find your way around groping in the dark? It's hard, isn't it? It's so hard, and darkness is sin. Sin destroys us. Sin dooms us. Sin condemns us. And you guys don't know that sin is darkness. It's so dark. You just some people enjoy being in the dark, but that, they don't know that's going to kill them eventually. It's so dark. It destroys. In fact, many people, especially those who are really unrepentant sinners as we call them, they really like their sins. And Jeremiah says in verse 9, chapter 9 verse 5, with practiced tongues they fool and defraud each other. They wear themselves out with all their sinning. You know somebody said, most people are going to go to hell sweating. Many people are going to go to hell sweating. You know why? Because they're so much enjoying. They're going to be enjoying their sin. And they're going to be worked out so much doing their darkness, their deeds of darkness. And you know, I, I submit to you, today is no different. Of course, you and I are happy because we're no longer probably that, those people that we're talking about here. But I'd like you to realize that look at us. We're so few. Look at the world out there. There's so many. You know, even CCF, for example, in Manila, you know, I, I, we, we remind ourselves, if you have the opportunity to go to CCF Manila and be there in the new facility, you, you'd be swept by the, by, the, by the size of the place, right? Those of you who have been there, okay? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a 10,000-seating capacity place. When you're there, you say, wow, there are so many Christians here. Wow, it's so encouraging. Guys, 10,000 is nothing compared to 12 million in Metro Manila. The rest of the world are in darkness. We're so few. There are so many people out there who are still living in the dark. And you know what? They like what they're doing. And they're going to be perishing to hell if we don't do anything about it. Today, so many. I submit to you, so many are still lost. And being blinded and deceived by darkness. This lost are the unrepentant sinners living in blindness and darkness day after day. Not knowing the terrible doom that awaits them. They have no idea. Guys, they think they're, they're having fun. But you know, God is not going to allow that to happen because God is just. And you know what God is saying? In the passage you read Ephesians 5:6 let no one deceive you with empty words guys for because of these things which 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 are these things the evil things that people are doing the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience this is no joke they have no idea and you know until until you guys understand what they are facing we will never develop a burden for these people because you won't care, but if you see where they're headed, you and I will say, "Lord, what can we do for these people?" I submit to you. There's there's something that you can do. Be Christ-like enough. Be Christ-like enough to be an inspiration to them and be a light to them. Their doom, it says, is God's wrath. You know what? You know what wrath is? It's not just anger. It's fierce anger. You know, it's a higher level of what? Being angry. God is, you know, God can be angry, but you know, when it comes to the punishment that these people are going to face eventually, you're talking about rat. And that's biblical. You know, many of us are talking about God's love. This morning when we were singing about God's love, your love never fails. It never, it never runs out you know, on me. Your love, my voice ne- okay? okay? All right? You know, we talk about that most of the time, but we never talk about God's wrath. I think it's also good to talk about God's wrath because God is both. He's loving, He's merciful, He's gracious, but He is also just. And believe me, He will punish sin. And you better know it. And the people out there who don't know Him will face God's wrath, God's fierce anger. Romans 2, five. but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself for the day of wrath. What does that mean? A day is coming, ladies and gentlemen, that God will say, no mas, enough. I am going to deliver the punishment that these people deserve. I've given you enough chance. I've given you the pastors. I've given you all of the evangelists. I've given you the Bible Since you're not reading it and you don't care, enough is enough. My day has come. I'm going to punish you with the wrath. And you know what what God calls this? This is righteous judgment. Meaning, I, the God of righteousness, I'm going to punish you with the most severe punishment because you disregarded me. Wow. Until you understand this and until you see this, we will never be inspired to be inspiration ourselves. Hebrews 10.31, another strong verse. For we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge His people. Verse 31, man, when I read this, it is what? A terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Why, isn't God nice? Isn't God loving and lovey you know, Yes, to those people who repent and to those people who turn to Him and to those people who accept Christ. But to those people who reject Christ, it is terrible to fall into the hands of the living God. That's the warning. It is terrifying to fall into the hands of the living God. It is indeed so terrifying that there are great preachers great preachers and pastors who spend a lot of time explaining this to people. And one of them is Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards is a pastor in, seventh, in the what, 16th century and he wrote or he delivered a message called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He he was a Puritan preacher, philosopher, theologian. I'm sharing this with you because I want to show you that great pastors have spent so much time making people understand the seriousness of God's wrath. He was the leading intellectual figure of colonial America. I don't even know when that was. He graduated from Yale at the age of 17. He became a preacher like his father and grandfather, And is today considered one of the theological titans, along with Augustine, Luther, and Calvin of the Reformed faith. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God was a sermon during a time called the Great Awakening. When revival was sweeping the continent and thousands were coming daily to Christ. 230 years later, it is generally recognized as the greatest sermon ever preached on the North American continent. And one of the prime manifestations of the Holy Spirit that brought about the great awakening. The first great awakening. While Edwards was equally fervent and eloquent in his preaching on all of God's infinite attributes, especially his love and mercy, look at this. He is remembered most for his powerful portrayal of God's infinite hatred for sin. Guys, God hates sin. And is infinitely, infinitely, infinitely hateful. And he will not stop until he obliterates sin because in in God there is no darkness at all. And this is serious stuff. And of course, this was written by J.D. Weatherling who has studied Jonathan Edwards. What does it mean? What does it mean, sinners in the hands of an angry God? It means this. That the judgment of God upon the sinner, look at this, will be more terrible and painful than anyone can comprehend. You might say, ah, exempted are exempted Sure. You better be sure you are exempted. And as you're sitting here, you better be sure that you belong to him. Because so many people say, oh, I go to church. I'm part of a D group of pastor and so on. You know, I memorize scriptures too. And I give my money to the church. But does that make you a Christian, really? You know, I submit to you, until you grow in Christ-likeness, until you bear the fruit of being a true Christian, I submit to you, you can never tell your Christianity until it's proven by your fruits. And the sinner who is not regenerated, the sinner who does not come to Christ, will be facing a terrible and painful punishment. You know, this is not an easy message to share. But I'm sharing this with you so that you will have the the desire to see that there is a need for us to do something and inspire others because others are facing this situation if we don't do anything about it. And guess what? This may be the very person who are right in our households. This may be the very person who are closest to us and those whom we love, unless we make sure that they really are of Christ. The unrepentant sinners face terrible judgment. Time is short for the unrepentant. God's wrath is overdue and will come suddenly. And unexpectedly. You better believe that. That was the message of Jonathan Edwards. And it's the same message that the Bible is telling us today. And you know what? It is, only, it is only God's free choice that those punishing hands are held up. God is raring to give those hands to just destroy the sinner. But because of his own choice, he's holding back. He's extending mercy to provide people another opportunity for sinners to repent. And you know, believe me, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's a matter of when God will just unexpectedly end up this world and say, enough, I'm coming back, those who are with me are going to be with me, and those who are not with me, boom, punishment. Fearful punishment that you cannot even imagine. Deuteronomy 32, 35. It is terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. This is what it means. Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time, their foot will slip. For the day of their calamity is near. And the impending things are hastening upon them. You know, can you imagine? Uh, have, you, have you ever stood in a place where it's so slippery? You know? Like, for example, you're standing on ice and it's so slippery. You're on your own. It's a matter of time that you will fall, right, Ike? You don't need anybody to push you. You'll just fall. You slip because it's slippery. And you know what God is describing? People who keep sinning and sinning and are not, unrep- are not repenting, they're like standing on a place which is slippery. And in Psalm, God says the same thing. The Psalmist says, surely you set them on a slippery place. You cast them down to destruction how they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Guys, if you're walking on a slippery slope, (laughs) nobody needs to push you. (laughs) You will just fall on your own. That's the kind of situation that sinners are facing in the hands of an angry God. And it's only God who's preventing them from falling at this point. For what reason? To give them a chance, guys. To give them a chance to give them a chance. Matthew, 6, Matthew 10, 28 says, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Look at, look at, look at the pronoun him, it's capitalized. Who is that? Who is that? God. You know, the Bible says, do not fear those, those criminals who can shoot you and kill your body. Oh, don't fear them. They're nothing. You know whom you should fear? Fear God because God can cast you to hell. And that is the meaning of what? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Guys, until we understand this, we will never, we will never be uncomfortable or we will, we will never be moving out of the place where we are to do something about it. You know, Ardi Alex? You know, there is a personal joke between me and Ardi. Alex is a guy whose destiny will be this. I'm sure of that. But I'm asking Ardi, Ardi, you don't like him. But look at his destiny. You know what? You can do something for him so that he may not even have to fall into this kind of thing. Wow. You know, somebody rendered an artistic drawing of of Jonathan Edwards' sinners in the hands of an angry God. And this is the picture. The hand is God. There is the sinner hanging on. Okay? And the sinner is likened to a what? A a bug. What do you do with a bug? You cast it, right? You know, that's how God looks at sinners who don't repent. They're like bugs and he wants to cast them into the fire. But you know what? He's holding them and waiting for the time and giving, us, giving them the chance to repent because it's really ugly and fearful to remain in the hands of an angry God. And here's another description. Because of the, because of the hardness of the heart of people, uh, the... the the artist rendered the, the sermon of, of, of Jonathan Edwards this way. Um, the one on the left is the heart. okay? heart. And there's the arrow, the bow and the arrow. The bow of God is already stretched. And he's holding the, the arrow like this and he's actually trembling and controlling it because he's holding it back. And anytime he will release it, So that that heart will be destroyed because that heart is just so sinful and unrepentant. This is the picture that that artist rendered when he listened to the message of Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Why not? You know, it says, for they are are a nation lacking in counsel, and there is no understanding in them. That's why God is so angry. And Deuteronomy 30, 32, 20, 22, 32 to 20, 33. For their vine is from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison. Their clusters bitter. Their wine is the venom of serpents and the deadly poison of cobras. That's how ugly sin is in the eyes of God. And that's how God hates it. And he wants to destroy it. Guys, God's wrath. God's wrath is so ugly, it's so terrible, that sinners in the hand of an angry God has no choice except to cry and say, I don't know, I cannot even describe it. And I want you to see that. Not for yourself, but for the people around us whom you love, who may be destined in that direction. And my desire is for all of us to become an inspiration for those people because if we are just able to inspire them to move from darkness to light, I'd be the happiest person in the world. Wouldn't you? Have you ever led someone to Christ? Raquel, have you ever led? Yeah. Isn't it the most wonderful feeling? Because you know that they're not gonna go through this judgment you know that they're not going to go through these terrible, terrible consequences and you'd be jumping for joy. In fact, the Bible is saying there is a lot of joy in heaven from one lost sinner. That's why there is rejoicing in the heaven for one lost sinner. You know why? Because they know. They know that that soul is not ever, ever going to go through this punishment that God has for them. Darkness. It's so dark for these people and they like to stay there. And you know, I submit to you, if they can only find one ray of light, just one ray of light, they will find the way to the light to be delivered from darkness and away from the hands of an angry God. And I think that is something that we can all pursue in all earnestness and in all sincerity. You know, it's likened to to a true story. There was a fire in England in a building and everybody was like you know in danger and there was this group of people in a, on the floor they were together and they saw the light they headed towards the light to get out of the burning building but unfortunately a billow of smoke dark smoke just entered the hall and covered that light and you know what happened to them instead of finding the way out they went to another place where there's a real fire and they're all dead and they were all consumed by the fire. And you know, somebody said, if only they had found one ray of light, they would have lived. One ray of light. Guys, and that one ray of light can be you and me when it comes to these people who are perishing. And I want you to see. I want you to see that. That's why I have a passion for, for for discipleship. I have a passion for, for being able to show people that we are the only hope of the people out there. If the people will not see the light in us, where else can they see it? In fact, if we are darkness ourselves, they'd say, Parew eh. wag Oh well, we're not perfect. But that's exactly why discipleship is so important. Discipleship will make us more and more like Christ to become the light for the people out there who are perishing. Ephesians 5.8, it says, For you, that's us, were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. What's the Bible asking us to do? Walk as children of light. You know, light... You are light. Walk as children of light. Inspire people. Walk as children of light. Inspire people. What does light mean? Light in the Bible has two meanings. The first one is it refers to truth. It refers to the intellect side. When when we say light, we mean the truth. You know, the truth will shed light and it is the opposite of lies okay versus lies which is darkness so light is truth versus lies which is darkness light means holy living doing good and right versus sinful living doing bad and wrong so light refers to truth at the same time light refers to practice okay what goes into your head becomes what you do if light goes into your head, then you will walk as children of light. If darkness is flowing into your mind and you are blinded, then you walk according to blindness and according to sin. And the Bible says, you are light. Walk. Inspire others. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen race, a, whole, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I like that. You are a chosen race, a holy people, a holy nation. You're God's own possession, and you, God called you to proclaim his excellencies because he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's why we are talking about growing, enjoying likeness. And the eye in Christ is inspiring the lost to see the way, the light and the way out of darkness. 1 John 1.5 This is the message we've heard from him and announced to you. That God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I like that. You know, to walk in the light means to be disciples of Christ. That's why we're all about discipleship. We're serious. You cannot become, you cannot walk effectively in the light if you are not a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ who is cleansed. Remember? You know, if you are selfless and humble. It will wash away selfishness and pride. And you will sin less and less and you will be cleansed. Matthew five fourteen to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. Can you see this picture? If you are the light, and then you're going to cover it with a basket? Not good, huh? In fact, the Bible is saying we we should not be living as lights in that manner. The Bible is saying we should be like a city set on a hill. Because if you are a light, and you're a city set on the hill, everybody will see you. So guys, let it shine. Shine brightly. Let. Let your, your Christ-likeness shine because that will inspire the lost and the lost will see the light who is Jesus. The lost will see the way who is Jesus out of darkness into his light. Walk in the light. How do you walk in the light? Number one, first of all, know the contrast. Know and declare how great and desirable Your position is in the light versus ugliness in the dark. If you are in the light, I mean, you should appreciate what you have, right? And you should tell people, hey, look at what I've got, you know? And people will say, oh, yeah. For you to be able to walk in the light, you have to appreciate where you are. You are not in darkness, you are in light. You are exposed. You know, I remember the... I remember the story of, uh, of, of, of uh, Vilma last Sunday. Okay? Um, uh, it's about a travel agency who, who, I guess, helps people when they want to get a visa. Okay? Uh, 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 what do you call that? Uh, a visa for going to the United States. Okay? And, and um, I want to show you the importance of. Of of being in the light versus being in the darkness, and I I, I just caught that joke that she was talking about, and there's this travel agency who is like saying that you know you whenever you buy a ticket for the United States, they ask you do you have a visa already? You know oh, not yet. Oh, I am telling you because there's a consul officer there who is uh, very you, you better be careful because you know before you go to the to the embassy, you better be sure that you are. Maputi hindi my team, okay? Paputi ka muna, okay? Kasi, you know, if you are maputi, you have a better chance of being getting the visa than you're in my team, okay? So, uh, uh, so there's there's this there's this joke in the in the in the uh, travel agency when people come, oyan pwede bayan, okay? Uh, then they will say hindi pwede translation translation, okay? English English. Um, uh, this. This is it? Is it it? Ah, uh, the other one will say, ah, hindi mo masasabi hindi maliwanag. You can never can tell, okay? You know? Uh, pero, see, the guy said, ah, uh, if you are Maputi, you will have a chance of getting a visa. So, what my sister did was she, she really bleached, okay? And she had uh, fixed her hair. And lo and behold, she got a visa. Okay? She really got a visa because, you know, it's nice to be standing in the light than being in the dark. Okay? Right? And then, there was another one who approached. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Puede This, this is it? Is it? This is it? Uh, no, 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 it's not. But, but, but it's kind of light. Yeah, it's kind of light, but. Mukang <laughs> hilpir. Translate that in English. Looks like helper, okay? <laughs> I just want to show you that you're better off in the light than you are in darkness. And if you know and you appreciate where you are, you will be able, to be, you'll be able to say, hey, I am proud of being in the light. I'm not in darkness. I'm not in sin. You know, you better, you better desire what I have or something like that. And you will get your visa too, okay? <laughs> number two. Number one, know and declare how great and desirable your position is in the light versus ugliness in the dark. And then number two, show the fruit of light in you. Really? There's a fruit of light in us? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's, let's talk about the fruit in light. Okay, sorry. Uh, okay. Verse 9. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So, here lies the fruit of light. You know? Oh, being in the light? Has a fruit? Yeah. What are they? Three things. Number one? Number one? Hello, number one? (laughs) Goodness. Number two? Righteousness. And number three? Truth. So, we are supposed to manifest the pleasing fruit of light in us. So, number one, goodness. The Greek word being used in the Bible as you take a look at this passage of Scripture is not It's not really kalos. There's there's a word of goodness in in the Greek called kalos. It means without defect. It's not referring to that kind of goodness. Okay, there's another word called krestos, meaning good for something. You know, if, if 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 this is something that you can use to open up something, then this is krestos, meaning it's good for something. But that's not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible in this goodness is the agathos, okay? Meaning moral excellence. The word that is used here by the apostle Paul is agathos, meaning moral excellence. I think you can be all of the above. You can be without defect, yeah? Just like me, without defect. Okay? <laughs> Christos, good for something, and agathos. You know the word agatha? Agatha Christi. Palayon, you know? the name Agatha was taken from this word Agathos means. Moral excellence. So if you are good, what you need to do is to let your goodness shine. Meaning what? Your, your, moral, your overall moral influence or excellence over the person. Right? And it's addressed to other people. You let your goodness shine, your, your positive moral influence on the person. That's what goodness is. Number two, righteousness. What is righteousness? Being right with God. That's, this is what my, my wife was saying. You know, if you are right with God, you know, show it. It will show that you are obeying God and the best way for you to show that you are right with God is to become more and more like Christ. <laughs> to become selfless and humble to the point of death. And then the truth. What's the truth? The truth is integrity, meaning I am what I say. You know, if you, if you want to shine brightly to people, you have to show them your goodness, your moral influence over people and then you are, you are to show them that you are, you are abiding by, by the commands of God and you are following them and then more importantly there is integrity in you meaning you are honest what you say is what you do and when you do that you will shine brightly Okay, you will shine so bright it will influence other people and then in verse 11 it says do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness but instead even expose them for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light by the light for everything that becomes visible is light for this reason it says awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you you know what i discovered If you and I are going to walk in the light, we're going to expose the deeds of others which are in darkness. And when you're in the light, you're not supposed to keep on sinning. That's why we talk about being discipled towards Christ likeness. As you continue to become more and more like Christ, you will sin less and less. And as you sin less and less, you're actually exposing the deeds of people who are in the dark. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that we will not sin. Guys, look at me. You will still sin. But you know when you sin, you are in the light. When you sin and you are in the light, you will see it right away. Versus when you are sinning and you're in the dark, you have no idea. You're getting deeper and deeper in sin. But if when you are a Christian and you're being discipled, the moment you become selfish, you know right away. You will know right away. You know why? Because you're exposed in the light. And what you do is you should correct it right away. And then your brother who is in the light will, will, will look at you and say, Ardi, okay, Ardi, okay. Joy, Ulrich, Pastor, okay? Patikao, Pastor, okay? Okay, 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 okay. See, we're not perfect. But you see, when we do something wrong because we're in the light, when it is exposed, we accept it right away. Versus when it's in the dark, nobody knows. You keep on doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it until you face judgment day. Yes or no? Would you rather be in the light? Would you rather be in the light? Yes. yes. If you're in the light, then expose the light. And you know what? There is an admonition here in verse 14. For this reason it says, Awake sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the challenge for us. So many people are dead out there. And unless we shine, and unless we influence them with our own light, they will remain In the dark. That's why the challenge for us. Is I am the light. As Christ is the light. You and I are to become. Christ like. And I'd like to share with you. The parable of the candles. And I read. I'd like to read the story. Because it's kind of long. There was a blackout one night. When the lights went out. I fumbled to the closet. Where. Where we keep the candles, for nights like this. I lit four of them, the writer said. I was turning to leave when the large candle in my hand, when I heard a voice. So imagine it was the candle. The voice said, now, hold it right there. And then he said, who said that? The candle said, I did. The voice was near my hand. Who are you? What are you? I lifted up the candle to take a look and there was a tiny face in the wax. Don't take me out of here the candle said. What? I said. Don't take me out of this room. What do you mean? I have to take you out. You're a candle. Your job is to give light. It's dark out there. You have to go out there. Candle said, "But you don't but you can't take me out. I'm not ready." The candle explained with pleading pleading eyes. I need more preparation. I couldn't believe my ears. More preparation? Yeah, I've decided I need to research this job of light giving so I won't go out and make a bunch of mistakes. You'd be surprised how distorted the glow of an untrained candle can be. Okay? All right then, I said. You're not the only candle on the shelf anyway. I'll blow you out. (laughs) And I take the others. But right then, I heard the other voices. We aren't going either. I turned to the other candles. Are the candle, you are candles and your job is to give light in dark places. Well, that may be what you think, the first one said. You may think we have to go, but I'm busy. I'm meditating on the importance of light. It's really enlightening. You and you, other two, I asked. Are you going to stay too? A short, fat, purple candle with plump cheeks spoke up. I'm waiting to get my life together. I'm not stable enough. The last candle had a female voice with a very pleasant, with very pleasant, uh, a female voice, very pleasant to the ear. I'd like to help. <laughs> she explained. But lightning in the darkness is not my gift. I'm a singer. I sing to the other candles to encourage them to burn more brightly. And she began singing. You light up my life. The other three joined in, filling the closet with singing. I took a step back and considered the absurdity of it all. Four perfectly healthy candles singing to each other about light but refusing to come out of the closet. Guys, the question to us is this. When was the last time we went out of the dark and shared our light? There are so many people out there who are going to face the wrath of God. If we don't become the light that will guide them out of darkness, they need us. They need our light. Then Jesus said again, Spoke to them, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not work in darkness, but will have the light of the world. Here is my case. For you, to walk in the light, you only have to be Christ-like. You only have to be, you only have to grow, and you only have to enjoy being Christ-like. And you will walk in the light as Jesus is the light whom we follow. If Jesus is the light and we are Christ-like, aren't we going to give light? I think we will. And I submit to you again, memorize these scriptures. Many of you have memorized this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 8. Let's read this together, please. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. (laughs) Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You want to be like Christ? It's very simple selfless humility to the point of death. Pastor Insong calls it selfless sacrifice and humility. I want to call it to the point of death. Because there's no end to it. It's going to cost you. Many times it's even going to cost you your life. But you know what? It's worth it. Because your light is going to shine so bright out there. That it will inspire the lost. To see the light. To see the way. Out of darkness. And when you inspire. You will enjoy your Christian life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the clarity of your word. Help us to walk in the light. Help us to be Christ-like. Help us to inspire others so that others will be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.